This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, July 1st. I'm Doug Blair. And I'm Virginia Allen. Today, Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch joins the show to talk about how the case that overturned Roe v. Wade first began. Fitch also weighs in on the Biden administration's claim that they're going to continue promoting abortion. We don't have any headlines today because we are celebrating our freedoms and liberty for the 4th of July. But let's go ahead and get to Virginia's conversation with Attorney General Fitch. It is my honor to welcome to the show Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch. Attorney General Fitch, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. And what a time to be talking about the celebration and a brand new day for the American people with turning the page on Roe v. Wade. That's right. We are now living in a post-America. And at the heart of that ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade is the Mississippi case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Attorney General Fitch, could you just give us a little bit of background on the Dobbs case? For, for those that don't know, how did this case first begin? Absolutely. This is a 2018 case uh, law that was passed by the Mississippi legislature, and it was on the 15-week abortion ban. Um, It was ultimately appealed and challenged and became the Dobbs case. Um, When I took office, that case had been sitting at the Fifth Circuit and it needed to be appealed. Uh, We looked at it and said, absolutely, we want to appeal this case to the United States Supreme Court because we need to have this put before the justices. Uh, we need to have the conversation about empowering women and promoting life. And we need to very much talk about overturning Roe v. Wade. So we posted it up there. It sat there and percolated for a number of months. And we were just absolutely thrilled when they took our case up. I mean, it's our case for our state, but it's a case for all states because it's certainly a rule of law question. Um, then we received uh, oral notice would be set, uh, oral arguments would be set for December the 1st. And, you know, we wrote our brief. We had many partners. It was a great coalition, coalition team effort. And so incredible brief. Uh, Scott Stewart is the uh, Solicitor General. He led the teams, did a phenomenal job of writing the brief and then making the oral argument on December the 1st. Mm. Well, and just incredible to to think back to one week ago, that moment when we all learned Roe v. Wade has officially been overturned. Was there anything as you read through the opinion on the Dobbs case that surprised you? You know, there was not. I mean, we'd been very clear about what our ask was, why it was a rule of law question. We very specifically laid out it should be empowering women and promoting life at the same time. And Justice Alito just laid it out so beautifully. He went all the way through it. He hit every point. You know, the the opinion was very clear that the Constitution did not confer a right to abortion. And it clearly stated that Roe and Casey are overturned. So it is very much surreal. But what an opportunity for our country. What a victory for women and for children and also for the court itself. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really commend the court for restoring constitutional principle. And certainly returning this important issue back to the American people. Yeah, yeah. Well, on already we've seen that 26 states have put laws in place to protect our most vulnerable, to protect the unborn. Uh, but not all state attorney generals 
are celebrating this as a human rights victory. We've seen that Wisconsin's uh, Democratic Attorney General filed a lawsuit on Tuesday challenging the state's uh, pre-Roe abortion ban. And Michigan's Attorney General also says that she won't enforce the state's pre-Roe abortion ban. What do you make of these attorney generals who say that they're not going to uphold the law in their states that is on the books to protect life? Well, it's unfortunate that they're taking that stance. From, but from our perspective, we have to continue to exercise humility and, and grace in our victory. You know, they definitely want the people to believe that the post-Roe America will be hostile to women. Um, mm-hmm. And so but we have to continue to act as we have always with humility and respect and compassion. And the hope is that we can all reach across the aisle and start focusing on empowering women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What exactly is happening um, in Mississippi right now regarding abortion clinics? Are they maintaining a presence in your state? Are doors of Planned Parenthood's closing? What's what's happening in your state? So in our state, um, the way a 2007 law read that we would the attorney general's office would um, certify if Roe v. Wade was ever overturned. Um, so it required a couple things. The trigger is the trigger law for the state of Mississippi. Uh, determination that if Rose overturned and that is reasonably probably the trigger is constitutional. So we certainly did a complex analysis. We filed Monday in the administrative bulletin with the Secretary of State. So we have filed, we have certified, and according to the law, it'll take effect in 10 days, which would be July the 7th. I did write uh, the Jackson... Uh, women's health care organization to inform them of the trigger law. We only have one in Mississippi, uh, and that would be that Jackson Women's Health Organization, um, you know, to remind them of their responsibilities under the current law. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't take very long. Within hours, the clinic's lawyers uh, filed suit to keep their doors open. Um, so we are now in a pending uh, litigation situation, and we're going to always continue to fight to sustain the victory for life in Dobbs. So we're fighting right now about getting that to be approved by a special chancellor. Um, the Mississippi Supreme Court is going to designate the chancellor. Uh, then we'll take up their argument uh, and then we'll be moving forward. Wow. Okay. So there's still in some ways a legal battle happening. But, you know, I think they intended to do that all across the hmm. country uh, in hmm. order to stay any action that the longer they could keep um, permitting abortions across our country, the longer they could continue along that journey that they think is much better. And we know that uh, the victory is actually for life. Um, so yeah. we anticipated, and so we're prepared. We'll be ready to get this moving as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. And what do you anticipate the outcome of, of that legal challenge to be? Oh, I think they're going to... Um, no question, uphold the Mississippi law. Our, it'll be our Mississippi Supreme Court that will look at it. Again, it's a very solid law. We've done an excellent job of putting the trigger law in place. So I no question think they will uphold it in the Mississippi Supreme Court, and we'll just move right on into where we are. Um, and then, you know, the real question is, then we all want to get down to the real business of empowering women. And I think that's where we have to stop and have some very – um, strong and some very hard conversation. Um, and we're going to have to talk about in our state, as many others will, we're going to have to talk about how do we 
fortify the safety net for women that are in need. And that's going to be very important that we step up and provide a lot of resources and tools for women. Have the hard conversation about more affordable and accessible child care. And we're going to need to talk about how we enforce child support so that fathers are equally responsible for these children because for too long, mothers, women have borne the cost uh, alone of raising children. And then we're going to need to talk about workplace flexibility and, and other issues such as more maternity and paternity options. We're going to need to have some conversation about streamlining adoption and then how we improve the foster care system because these children deserve to be placed very quickly with loving, compassionate families that will help these children thrive. Mm, mm. I'm glad to hear that you all are are talking about those things because I think so many people um, are asking those questions of, okay, what now? What happens next? And how do we, as a, as a pro-life movement, as a pro-life culture, how do we now truly put actions behind our words and, and support women who are facing crisis pregnancies. So um, that's really, really critical. And we are moving forward. We're already working on um, a package of laws and looking at policies that could be uh, imp- empowering to women that in different agencies. So we already started to work on that, and we're looking forward to getting all that together so we can begin to share with our partners and our legislators and really take action steps now. Hmm, hmm, that's critical. Well, and, and speaking um, sort of at, at the national or federal level, we're seeing from the Biden administration um, some interesting messaging right now. They say that they they're looking at all of the options regarding abortion, including maybe putting abortion clinics on federal lands. Uh, what's your legal assessment of this? I mean, could the Biden administration put abortion clinics on federal land within states like Mississippi that now restrict abortion? Well, I will say at this point, they're grasping. This administration is looking for anything and everything um, to be able to get some hooks in. And they've been, t- they're trying to instill fear. Um, they are definitely fear-mongering in every way that they can. Um, but I, I think that's unfortunate. They're trying to put women in the position of making them become criminals, and they're they're really um, utilizing that fear across the board. But, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what Biden and the Congress do, and then we'll look to, to really answer back, as we have on so many issues from this administration, though. Uh, they have done a lot of overreach on so many different areas, and we will continue to fight back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, for some time, the abortion movement has been promoting chemical abortions. These are pills that are often mailed to women that end the life of the child. Women take them at home and um, essentially your, your body is forced into labor um, and your uterus is, is emptied. Do pro-life states like Mississippi have the ability to regulate abortion pills now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned? And um, is that possible to regulate? Are you all looking into that? What happens next regarding chemical abortions? Well, that, that's a great question. And we're certainly seeing that across the board. Um, that is certainly another area we're going to be watching very closely. Um, mm-hmm. We have some litigation currently and we're not at liberty to discuss the, the ongoing case, but certainly it's important for us to look at this this um, perspective as well. 
Yeah, no, I think that it is a, a critical issue and one that I think the whole pro-life movement right now is really talking about. And I know um, states across the country are talking about, OK, how do we move forward on this? Because that, you know, like we say, you know, we, we want to, um, of course, we're protecting the life of that baby, but also of the mom. Um, and and that's uh, really a, a critical conversation. And, and we know that. Um, chemical abortions do put uh, women in danger. So, uh, you know, when we talk about moving forward and moving forward into this post-Roe world, post-Roe America, how can pro-life individuals across America be a part of creating a culture of life in their own state? Well, it is an opportunity for us all to step in, to be there in providing um, certainly love, support, compassion, and prayers but there are other areas we have to have some conversation about and then actually step in and provide support to these pregnancy centers. Um, we have over 30 in the state of Mississippi. And so we've been already looking at ways that we can be supportive of them, how we can get people engaged to help them on every level, help these women, help these children. Um, we had a tax credit that was passed in this last legislative session to uh, entice people to make donations and receive a tax credit. We'll be looking for other ways we can do that. We'll certainly be looking to talk with our legislators about other laws that could be passed that could be beneficial to the, the pregnancy centers. And then actually looking at all these other ways that we can step in, whether it's upskilling these women, again, talking about the child care, how we can make that connection, uh, how we can give them more flexibility, and then looking at every avenue that really will empower women because they've just not had that capability. And now everyone can be a part of that uh, to empower these women and these children. Mm. Well, it has been such an exciting, really, Supreme Court term, as we've seen just in the last week. Of course, Roe v. Wade be overturned. And then on Monday, uh, the Seattle Washington football coach, Coach Joe Kennedy, won his case for his First Amendment right to prayer. As we head in to July 4th, as we head into a time of celebrating our independence as a nation and uh, really everything that has happened just in the course of the past week of freedoms being furthered in our country, what what is your message to Americans? Well, it certainly should make all Americans proud. This has been a court that has again, stepped in and restored conservative values and principles and really have the tone of our faith and our Christianity being the basis. And that's exciting to see that being restored. I mean, we certainly were a, we're a country founded on in God we trust. And to actually see that come to fruition and have, you know, in 2022, these cases come down that restore that principle it's just very exciting for us in, in America. And but as we have grasped these great um, decisions that have come down, it's just very important still that we act with humility, uh, speak with respect, and, and act with you know compassion for all of us. Um, we've not seen that in so many areas, but for us, we should definitely offer that type of loving, compassionate attitude because we've been so very blessed. Absolutely. Well, uh, very happy July 4th to you, Attorney General, and to all of our listeners. Happy Independence Day, Attorney General Lynn Fitch. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank you, too. And happy 4th to you as well. 
The Heritage Foundation has a new website to combat critical race theory. CRT, as it's known, makes race the centerpiece of all aspects of American life. It categorizes individuals into groups of oppressors and victims. The idea is infiltrating everything from our politics and education to the workplace and even our military. Heritage has pulled together the resources that you need to identify CRT in your community and the ways to fight it. We also have a legislation tracker so you can see what's happening in your state. Visit heritage.org CRT to learn more. And that'll do it for today's episode. We don't have a show on Monday because Monday is Independence Day, and we hope that you are all out spending time with friends and family and celebrating our freedoms as a nation. Uh, But we look forward to being back with you all on Tuesday. And if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast on whatever app you listen to your podcast. That's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage friends and family to subscribe. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing July 4th. We'll see you Tuesday. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kay Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Doug Blair. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.